Hello, everybody, and welcome to Third and Nerd. This is a little podcast, a pet project that myself and Mr. Joe Goodberry um, have done, mixing a little sports and nerdery. Joe, how you doing, man? A uh, little, little tired from some cabinet making and some comic framing, I understand. Yeah, moved into a new house recently, so uh, all of my nerdy stuff and sports stuff that has been packed up for probably about two and a half months, I can finally bring it out and play with it again and let them get some fresh air. So I've been going hard on that, and you know, football season starting, so that's time, man. It's you just don't have enough at this point in the year. Yeah, you really don't. So let's start with Buffalo. What do you think about the Sammy Watkins trade? They've been training Ronald Darby uh, away. Two young guys, two guys under 25, two of their best players easily, and they pretty much dump them off for draft picks. Yeah, they also got rid of uh, Nikel Roby, too, I believe. Um, Nikel Roby Coleman. Uh, That's your USC man, huh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, You know, I, I... I think the Sammy Watkins trade is something that I can understand. Um, He's been injured so often during his time in Buffalo, and it's one of those things where you you spent the draft capital. Buffalo, I believe, gave up a second-round pick and a a couple of later-round picks to, to move up and get him. And it's just it, – it's it's been the equivalent – he has injuries, but it's been sort of the Greg Robinson equivalent with, with L.A. It's, it's a high draft pick <clears throat> that just didn't pan out for whatever reason. So uh, just like Greg Robinson then moved on and now he's finding some success with the Detroit Lions – uh, so too may Sammy Watkins find success with the Los Angeles Rams. Um, where, what, what do you make of them? Tra- I mean, can can you get behind it in theory, regardless of all of the other moves that they've made? Well, I think they're definitely a worse team. Even getting Jordan Matthews from the Eagles and the Ron, Ron Darby trade, uh, you, he's not Sammy Watkins. He can't do what Sammy Watkins can do. Uh, when Watkins has been healthy, he's put up really good numbers. He can be a deep threat. He can be a great guy after the catch. Uh, he's a decent route runner with really good hands. There's there's a, a game uh, two years ago where he just destroyed Revis when Revis was still a little decent. Um, and I just think of that game for what his potential could be. And we look at Buffalo's offense, they haven't been some system of just ridiculous numbers or high output and, and with Tyrod Taylor being a, a, a high up and down type guy, I don't think Watkins has seen his full potential yet. But at the same time, they didn't pick up his fifth year option because of the past injuries and because they weren't sure when he'd be ready for camp. Um, and because of that, you, you kind of could tell that they weren't fully invested. And I, the feeling around the bills was, was that after this next year, they weren't going to be able to retain him. It was going to be franchise tag or nothing, and he'd walk, and maybe they'd get a third-round compensatory pick. And they thought, well, in this we can get a receiver from the Eagles, and we can get a second-round pick plus EJ Gaines from the Rams. And so I get that logic. I just think at the same time 
you're significantly worse. And the only reason you probably couldn't retain Sammy is because you've led him to this point where you didn't use him. There were so many times Bill's friends and, and I, you could tell players were frustrated watching them because Watkins would have one-on-one coverage and he's supposed to be your number one guy. He's the guy you gave up two first round picks. Well, you spent a first and you gave up a first to go get. You need to feed him the ball. You need to constantly take advantage of, of when the defense is going to play him one-on-one. And the Bills wouldn't do that or couldn't do that based on their quarterback play. And so I think they, they made their own bed. Now they're trying to make the best of it with a new GM and a new coach. So I, I get it from that perspective. I just think the Bills are probably tanking if you think they can get rid of two guys under 25 that are two, are, that are two of their best players and come away with now they have two first-round picks because, remember, they traded with the Chiefs in the draft uh, for the Chiefs to come up to get Patrick Mahomes. So they have two first-round picks, two second-round picks, two third-round picks next year. They have the ammunition to move up, to get to number one, to get to number two or three. Uh, and they're, we're going to get to second down when you're ready. And if the, the conversation is going to be, what are these three quarterbacks coming up? And we got a year still to go. we got a full college football season. But you may have three guys that could go top three or in the top five uh, in this next year. And I think Buffalo, at the end of the day, if you want to beat Brady and you want to beat the, the, the Patriots, you need to get a franchise quarterback. And it seems like that's what they're gearing up for. I think Buffalo are going to beat Brady. Well, not Brady, but New England once Brady retires. I think things, uh, they've got a while to go before they're there. But, yeah, I mean, like I said, I was able to Nikel Roby gave him up to the Rams. Now you got Sammy Watkins. I agree with you in principle about them tanking, and I understand why. Um, you know, not picking up the fifth-year options on, on Sammy Watkins, it, it made sense. It does make sense because you can either keep him and say, all right, we're going to actually draft a quarterback that can get the ball to this guy, and that's going to be our QB uh uh, primary number one uh, combo, but he's been injured so often that that's not really a bet that you can make. Um, it's 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 a gamble at best. So I I I don't have an issue with what Buffalo is doing. They probably do need to reload. They do need to restart. Um, but, you know, leading into that presumptive quarterback number one, don't you just get the feeling that even if Buffalo get a top pick, they're going to pick the quarterback that doesn't work out? Yes. I mean, <laughs> I think of the 2011 draft, and that's probably going to go down in history as one of the deepest and craziest drafts, especially in the top ten. That was Cam Newton, Vaughn Miller, A.J. Green, Patrick Peterson, Julio Jones, Tyron Smith, J.J. Watt, that type of draft. And while Buffalo came with Marcel Darius at number three, um, he's probably the worst of those really, really great, potentially Hall of Fame guys, maybe six or seven of them that go in the top 12 that year, and they end up with Darius. Even in a can't-miss home run draft, they find a way to come up short. And that's that's the Buffalo Bills, especially of the last 15 years and during their their drought of missing the playoffs. So, yeah, I, I think you can get in that situation. But you know what? The other thing is, in that 15 years, they haven't had the first pick once. They haven't yet. They have not had it. And I don't think you can really, truly take a, a full swing at the franchise quarterback unless you have that pick. And I know every franchise quarterback isn't taken number one overall. But I do believe 
isolating and, and picking your guy that you believe will be the franchise guy at number one is just a complete franchise changer in the term in terms of everyone's on board with it. He's the guy you identified. Uh, probably almost every scout and GM and team agrees with you at at that you know at that juncture of the of the of the of the draft. So you know they haven't had that luxury yet, and I think that's part of their rebuild process and their plan is to get to that number one pick and get their guy finally. Yeah, and if you're gonna tank, that that's really what makes the most sense you don't want to suck it up for the number three or number five pick you if you're gonna if you're gonna throw away every single talented under 25 player that you have then you are going for the number one quarterback you're you're at least going for the number one spot um, and, and you're right. The Bills will at that point have been monitoring, especially because they know how their own season is going to go. And that's one of those things that you can gauge right away. Um, when the Bills take the field, you can be like, wow, this team's awful. And, and Buffalo is going to be thinking, good, good, good. That's right. We are awful. Um, because that's, no, I mean, that's what they want, right? I mean, you you can't get that number one spot without being tremendously awful, you know. Um, so so I I I think that once the season starts and we're able to see Buffalo in action, we are going to see a team just completely devoid of talent, most likely unable to move the football, probably won't be able to defend all of that well. Um, and, and at the end of it, they're going to come away with, I, I still think that Buffalo is going to find a way to not get the number one overall pick. I just, I, I think, well, I bot- think they were bot- an eight or nine win team before this. So, you know, what is that? What is Sammy and your number? What is your number one receiver in your number one corner? How many games is that Four. So you probably still go four, maybe five wins. And as we've seen, that's probably the third, fourth, fifth pick. Yeah, I mean, you look at the the San Francisco 49ers last year um and I believe they had the two pick, right? Uh who had, yeah. who had who had the number 1 overall? Yeah, it was um well, Jesus Christ. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Why am I drawing a blank on who had the number 1 overall pick? Who went? Um anyway, yeah. Uh, the, 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 the point there being is that, uh, the, the, the Niners were won two games and they still were the, 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 the Browns team. that took Miles That's Garrett. Right. I'm trying That's to think right. who the quarterback was. I'm thinking Mitch Trubisky and I'm like, no, he didn't. No, no, it was, you're right. It was Cleveland. Right. The Bears and, traded the number two with the Niners. Niners went back one spot and got a ransom and still got Solomon Thomas. Yeah, and the Niners absolutely murdered the draft. I mean, they that I if you saw their game the other day, Thomas and Foster both looked really good too. And 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 the thing with the Niners is, is people were wondering, you know, and I, we're getting a little off topic here, but people were wondering how John Lynch was going to fare as a GM. You know, how is this? John Lynch, Kyle Shanahan tandem going to work out? And then you look at the draft and you go. Well, hell, uh, so far so good, <laughs> you know. I mean, sure. that that draft, the way they did that draft was was in truth one of the single greatest things I've seen. Like it was 
for for a first time GM and a first time head coach, I I challenge anybody to find a draft that was that good with with first time GM and a first time head coach. Oh, and they went from a team that was probably I thought they were the least talented team and devoid of talent, and they just the, the way they've had a roster turn, turnover that took three or four years. You know, it, it felt like this was going to be a long uh, you know rebuild, but. That first draft is a great way to start. And since we're talking draft, talking tanking, talking top five, that's we should just jump the second down and stay with football. Yeah. And go to the go to the quarterback class of potentially coming next year with we got Rosen and uh, Darnold and Jackson. I believe any one of those guys can have, end up number one. What do you think? Yeah, I think you know I look at them, and I'm not convinced with Sam Darnold. I'm I'm not. Um, I, I think this year is going to be much more telling. Um, he's sort of an improvisational quarterback. Um, he, he does understand his weaknesses. Like he knew that he needed to work on his deep ball. So one of the things he did this off season was, was really go at his core. And that's, uh, one of the things he talked about. And, and you see a young quarterback and they say, Hey, I understand that one of the criticisms of me is I can't push the ball down the field. So this offseason, I went and worked on my core like you wouldn't believe. That's a mature dude. You know what I'm saying? Like, not a lot of college quarterbacks look at that and go, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to work on this. Um, no. The ones that are serious about their craft do, but I, I thought that was one of the more mature things. But – I look at Josh Rosen, and I think that if you're talking about just a pure NFL quarterback, I think that guy has the makings of one. He is just, as a freshman, he was unbelievable. And some of the balls he threw were just next level. They really were. And you look at this kid, and you see some of those passes, and you think – there's a reason this kid was the number one quarterback on like every recruiting site. Like this kid is so good. Um, and, and injuries limited him to six games last year, but you look at the numbers in those six games and he still had good numbers. Like I know it wasn't his best season, but numbers wise, he was certainly, you know, hanging in there. And then you got Lamar Jackson, Heisman winner. Yep. Um, uh, Electric. Yeah, one of the more interesting quarterbacks in this draft because he's so incredibly good from the pocket, but he's also got that athleticism that you're looking for. Like he and Darnold, I think. Now, I know Josh Rosen can move. Josh Rosen is more of like the Aaron Rodgers type. He's going to hang back there, hang back there, look for his guy, look for his guy. And if he's not there, Rosen has the gumption and the ability, the speed, the athleticism to go and pick up 10 yards. But I think that when you're looking at guys who can move, you've got Sam Darnold and Lamar Jackson. Uh, Jackson's in another class. I mean, he's Mike Vick. It's almost, you know, he, he's, he can be dynamic. Okay, so – how how do you play this season out and and or how do you see this season playing out and who do you honestly think is going to be the the number one quarterback and you 
that's such a tough question because a lot of times we talk about guys being, oh, this is the next first pick, right, for quarterbacks. That's pretty much the conversation every year around this time. Yep. And then you see a guy like Matt Barkley or – you know, I was going to mention him. I know because he's always one that comes up in that in that conversation or that point. But there's a lot of guys that end up like that. And it's it, it's more because they may be sophomores or juniors coming into this that year when they're getting anointed. And a lot of people will say, well, this is the next guy. This is the next franchise quarterback. That's because you expect – to see growth. All of them have issues right now. None of them are perfect or else they probably would have, you know, if they could have, they would have entered the draft earlier. But these guys, you know, all had, whether it's the deep ball, whether it's footwork, whether it's working in, in, in managing a, a pocket, whether it's more pro style type throws, they all have something to work on. And uh, when someone, when they get anointed as the next guy, it's because you expect them to take that next step. And when they don't, a lot of fans are like, well, this guy was, I thought you guys said he was the next guy. Yeah, if they develop, if they take that next step, if they stay healthy, all of those factors. Um, so it's hard to predict who does that. You can say based on what they've shown so far, um, I think the upside is is with Jackson, but I think he still has some footwork things and some some decision-making to clean up. Some I, I like his accuracy from the pocket. People are going to you know, call him a runner and say runners can't win, but he does make some good throws and some high-level throws. Rosen, I think, has probably, for pure passer type potential, loves everything he can end up being if he progresses still a little bit more and takes care of it a little bit more. I think Darnold, though, for touch and accuracy and, you know, anticipation, Drew Brees type qualities, I think of, but he kind of has a throwing motion of Phillip Rivers. Two great quarterbacks, obviously. It's hard to compare them to that. But I do think Darnold has a lot of He's shown of what he is, and I think that makes people feel comfortable and safe. I don't think he has the upside of those other guys unless he just comes out and he's super efficient with it and just takes those already good qualities and goes to the next level with them, and which is completely possible because all these guys are young. Um, if, if that's the case, I still think a lot of teams really like the idea of Sam Darnold, Sam Darnold and could be jockeying for him because I think in that – when it comes down to it, teams like to be comfortable and like to know exactly what strengths and weaknesses these guys have. And I think he's the most closest to showing what he'll be at the end of this, uh, at the end of his college career going into the NFL so far. And, and that may make teams feel safe while these other guys may end up being better players in the long run. Um, so that I, I'm excited to watch them guys, see who comes out. And then maybe there'll be a guy that, that joins the conversation, someone we don't even know. Oh, I'm absolutely certain that there's going to be a guy joining the conversation that we have no idea about. Um, Of that, I am a thousand percent certain. And I look at Sam Darnold, I say the biggest worry I have with him is that USC have an interesting schedule. They have uh, games against teams that could be lights out or could be uh, one of those teams that are developing into growing pains. Um, Tom Herman doesn't really take a lot of time to get going. He's one of those guys that he comes in, he installs his offense, gets his defense going, and and just hits the ground running. And he's got himself a transfer quarterback that can do everything he wants uh, out of his system. Um, And they play USC in the second game of the season. I am so curious about that game 
because I have no idea how USC are going to be this year um, and and how Sam Darnold is going to react to not having a bye. Um, I talked about this on one of my bumpers, and I said that the thing that when – I, when I bring up the bye, it's because there's so much. And Josh Rosen sort of talked about this in his interview – um, his much maligned interview for people that didn't read the whole damn thing and just saw the tweet about football and, and uh, college not really going together. But if they read the article about what Josh Rosen had to say, he made some really, really good points. And this is a really, really smart guy, and he understands. And I, I do think that there's a case to be made that college football is one of those things that it's there's a reason a lot of these guys funnel into the same majors like there just is you can you can tell me they love sociology and public policy all you want but (laughs) it is what it is and the fact that a lot of their buddies are in that class probably doesn't hurt the fact that the teachers give them halfway decent grades probably doesn't hurt um I don't think that North Carolina is, is is the only school in the nation that is giving kids. Oh, definitely not. <laughs> um, but but I come back to Rosen and I and I say this this kid when you're talking about pure passer, remove the because Darnold and Jackson you're going to be talking about athleticism and their ability to run. Um, whenever you bring them up. But if you're talking about just a pure NFL-type Joe Montana drop-back passer, then then Josh Rosen could be, if that guy grows, his ability to throw the football could make him one of the most interesting prospects. Um, I, I'm curious about Darnold and, and his feeling as well because I – if he comes into this season having worked on his his core, his his ability to push the ball down the field deep, um, and at the same time he starts pumping out 69, 70% accuracy with that football, starts hitting those numbers, then I think we're going to be having a different conversation about, you know, who who the number one quarterback is. There's just so many things at play. Um I mean, I don't know if you've had a chance to look at their schedules, but, I mean, which guy do you think schedule-wise can can come out of this season, I don't know, <laughs> looking good, if you will? I mean, I want to take a chance on Jackson again because they were so close last year, you know, without a couple losses that, just derailed what could have been a maybe championship run. I don't. They probably would have got taken out by Clemson or Alabama, but uh, and probably Ohio State also. But um, you know, I would like to. I think they probably are close again to where they can take another run. And because of that, teams do like winners. I think that will affect you know any of these guys' draft stock depending on how far they take their team. So uh, for me, I would take Jackson again and and. and you know, think that they can make another run at it, and and if they can just keep those close games together this time, uh, and not you know avoid the blowout of, of by a surprise team or something, they're back in it. 
And that's the problem I have with USC. There's just that Friday game at Pullman against Wazoo. That, to me, screams loss for USC. Like, traditionally, they do not do well on those weekday games. I go back to Mark Sanchez and that 2008 USC team that that probably should have played Florida for the national championship. Um, But uh, the reason that they didn't is because Mark Sanchez put up a duck against Oregon State in in a weekday game. Granted, it was a Thursday game and, and not a Friday game, but it was on the road in Corvallis. And, 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 and it's just one of those things that make you go, I don't know if I like USC's chances in this game. And I, and I polled so many people, and, and a lot of USC fans are nervous as hell about that Friday game against Wazoo because it doesn't take Mike Leach long to get going. And, and his offense is going to be his offense. But what people don't, I think, give Mike Leach credit for are the defenses that he brings. Like, his defenses can play some lights-out football. And I look at that game against Stanford, which Stanford ultimately won, but Stanford got everything that they came for and then some. Like, Wazoo was out there hitting them just as hard. And you could see Stanford, like, they were they were kind of shocked that Wazoo was playing their brand of football and playing it well enough to, to compete. So um, I, I, I look at that, and then I look at the Stanford game, and Stanford's beaten USC, um, uh, you know, five, I think four out of the last five years or five out of the last six years, one of those two. And they got Keller Christ, um, who they played Ryan Burns for the first six games of the season. It was kind of really similar to, to USC and Sam Darnold with, with Max Brown. They played Ryan Burns, and then all of a sudden, as soon as Stanford switched over to Keller Crisp, like, he rattled off six straight wins, including the win in the Music City Bowl, um, and 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 he cemented himself as, as the favorite coming into this year. I think Stanford have their quarterback, and when Stanford have their quarterback, and I know that they lost Solomon Thomas, but people just – Stanford is one of those teams that reloads on defense. Like, Christian McCaffrey may be gone, but, I, I mean, you, you look he at Stanford. He got the first preseason game, by the way. Yeah, and, and, and you know, it's funny because people were laughing and, and, and talking about how – how are Stanford going to replace Andrew Luck? And, and Kevin Hogan became somewhat of a joke at the end of his junior year. And then he went out and played the most ridiculous football I've seen out of a Stanford quarterback since Luck in his senior season. So this team has a way of of just improving and instilling confidence in young men who may have had questionable seasons the year before. And and all of that combined gives me pause on Sam Darnold. So I feel like Louisville, just based on schedule, has a significant opportunity to 
I mean, make a run at a, at a championship, and and for Lamar Jackson to to legitimately compete and possibly become a two time winner like Archie Griffin. I mean, if 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 Lamar Jackson improves on on his accuracy. And all of a sudden, you've got a dude that's one of the most accurate quarterbacks in the nation and can move like he can move. <laughs> I mean, it's, it, that's, those are going to be some numbers to watch. You know what I mean? Like when they put out those Heisman numbers, he's going to have some fun ones. So I think the quarterback with the highest completion percentage at the end of the day, I think is going to be the guy that teams covet the most because all of these guys have, I guess you could say it, but they people want to see that that sort of uh, they want to see guys be compact, consistent, accurate with the football. That's where it's at these days. You can be a mobile quarterback, but they want to see accuracy like Marcus Mariota has and a guy who can make every NFL throw like Marcus Mariota can. So you can be a running quarterback, but you have to be able to make those throws and complete those throws in tight windows, and Lamar Jackson can do all of that. So long-winded answer for round for down two. We both like Jackson for, you know, potentially having the strongest season, um, especially team-wise. Down three, though. Down three and four, we're almost probably going to mash together. Uh, we haven't talked since Comic-Con, uh, well, at least on the podcast. We've actually talked on the phone a couple times. But um, what did you take away, especially Marvel? And they showed three trailers. We got one official one, which is Thor Ragnarok. We got leaks of Infinity War. Uh, I heard the Black Panther trailer was awesome, but I, and I expect we'll see it very soon. Uh what do you think? And what did you take away from that? What are you most excited for? I, I mean, I think the answer is probably for a lot of people Infinity War. But the way Thor and Black Panther sounded and looked, I, I'm just as excited for those two. And, yeah. and, and to, to to go right before, these are the three next three movies on Marvel's slate. You would think all eyes are on Infinity War, and they are. But I think everybody is really excited for Thor and Black Panther. Yeah, I mean, okay, you look at Black Panther and when it's been promoted, you look at the target audience, like, they're not fools. They they hit the NBA Finals with a new trailer, and they hit uh, the BET Music Awards with another new trailer. Like, Black Panther knows where its meal ticket is, and they've been promoting the hell out of that movie. And to be honest, I, it's one of the movies I'm super excited for because I love Wakanda. Like, in the comics, to me, Wakanda and the Savage Land are two of, like, I always love when, when characters have to go to the Savage Land or they have to go to Wakanda or whatever the case may be. I'm having a lot of fun with uh, uh, Secret Empire right now because there's there's Savage Land and... Uh, uh, Wakanda involved and Atlantis with Namor. So, um, I, but that Thor Ragnarok trailer was one of the best trailers I have ever seen in my life. It just reminded me so much of, of Tron. And then, then the movie itself just looks so damn fun. 
looks so eighties arcade, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. It does. And and hella. I am so excited to see a female villain proper. You know what I'm saying? Like Hella oh, yeah. already looks the part. Um, you know she's got the 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 ability because you know she takes Thor's hammer and crushes it into little itty bitty pieces. I always see that. Uh, but uh, I, uh, it's basically like one A, one B, and one C. And depending on my mood, I would tell you that I'm most excited for. 1A on one day, 1B on another day, and 1C on a third day. Like, truthfully, that's how excited I am for these movies. I feel like this run is going to be Marvel's best run, especially when you consider the fact that Spider-Man Homecoming was right before it. We'll go from Civil War. The stretch of Civil War to Infinity War is probably going to be a very good stretch of very good movies. And... That, you know, they've had, obviously, they've had a great stretch, to be honest with you, of all, pretty much all their movies. But this stretch right here, they're, they're at their peak. They fully aware, or they're fully aware of what they need to do with each character and, and each story. They knew Thor needed to get a little bit more fun. They needed to get a little more, more, more cosmic. They need to get a little weirder. I mean, Thor was created in, in, in uh, the, the Marvel version and, and the hype. During like I'm thinking sixties psychedelic drugs and, and when everyone's into the mystical and the cosmic and that's when I think of Thor and the Rainbow Bridge and, and, and all the weird stuff and villains that he fights and, and just they they get really close to that and what you see in the trailer and what you see and what the, the feel and tone is for this movie. And then at the same time they're also hitting on major events in the Marvel Universe with not only Ragnarok is such, such a big thing for Asgardians and, and the rebirth and then death of potentially what, you know, what it means and what it stands for is they're all pretty much going to uh, see their, it's going to be their apocalypse. So, um, you know, that, and then you get some Planet Hulk mixed in with it. Uh, Loki's arc and, you know, he's been such a great villain and maybe the best villain in, in MCU so far. And they show him being you know, turning to the good side and helping Thor again, but you know that's not going to last. You know that's not going to stay. How does he get to that point? How does it end? Because then you see in the Infinity War trailer him him handing over uh, the the Cosmic Cube to whomever. But so you know again he falls to the dark side, if you will. And so and then Hulk again talking and. and Looks like he's having so much fun. Uh, the the interview they had with um, Mark Ruffalo and he's and they ask him how long has he been there being Hulk and he goes at this point it's been about a year and Hulk's just not letting go. He's just having too much fun out there being a gla- being a gladiator, being a star, and, and you know not being uh, shunned and persecuted for being the Hulk and being outrageous on Earth and here he is on this other planet and and they treat him like a god and and uh, and, and that sounds awesome. All of that sounds fantastic and great and valkyrie valkyrie looks amazing in that and and a great change i think and i I love uh i'm losing her name now as the actress she was in uh she was in uh uh, creed and and a a bunch of other movies and and that's another uh, segue into black panther because i love everything they're doing and you you mentioned how they're going for their target audience are you talking about lupita diango no 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 but i'm thinking of um 
she's an she's an English actor. The girl's playing Valkyrie, and now I can't remember her name. Oh, I know. Okay, all right, all right. Let me. Well, uh, anyways, I, she was in Creed. That's why I started thinking of Ryan Coogler and uh, uh, Michael B. Jordan, and they're in, in in Black Panther. And you talked about the target audience for Black Panther, but at the same time, I want to see it because of that because they've got some of the best black actors. Captain Thompson. Yes, 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 yes. But they've got, for Black Panther, they've got some of the best black actors. Yep. Ryan Coogler was a black director, producers, people scoring the movie. I mean, they They it. hired African talent when they were down there. Yeah. Doing it. Like, like, they did everything in the world to, to, this I'll is make it black, yeah, this is a black person's film, but it is it's, And it should be. Yeah. And it should be. And you don't get black films like this that have this high of a budget, with this high of a name, with this much special effects and effort behind it, behind a big studio. You don't get this stuff. So it, you should be excited to see it and see it firsthand because, to be honest, if it was normal Hollywood, they would have whitewashed it in some way, whether that be the directors, producers, people making the costumes, and they didn't do that. And they let it go perfectly this is your movie, this is your property, show us, show the world why Black Panther means so much to black people. And so I'm excited to see that. Um, and when I'm watching the, 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 the uh, look at the video from San Diego Comic-Con um, of the cast there, and it doesn't show you the trailer, but shows their reaction. And that right there will put a smile on your face and be like, you know what, this is a unique situation and I'm excited just for that, but then you hear how awesome the trailer looks and how awesome the movie looks and all the positive reviews that are coming from it and the vibes coming from it, and it puts it up there for on my hype list of, you know, I want to see this movie really bad. Yeah, it's it's the same with me. I I feel like it's I, – I am going to get a trip in into black culture, into African culture, into African-American culture. It is, it is going to be an, a tremendous experience for me to see uh, Black Panther and to watch how Ryan Coogler – because Marvel's been really good about this in their movies. Like, if you look at Civil War – and you look at the, at some of the subtext in there and 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 follow that on through with with Spider-Man and so on and so forth you really see parallels to our society and and things that are going on in our world oh Marvel, they did that a lot with with Captain America for sure the the looking back at cuz we just watched uh, Winter Soldier the other night at home ah, and I and I was like yeah great movie but you know and then I start to go you know there's a lot of stuff that they were really forecasting for this because just big government you know big brother watching you uh trying people before they've committed crimes things like that that they were using with the uh the algorithm to, to, you know, Hydra wanted to put in the helicarriers to take people out before they've really committed crimes. Now they're doing it for evil, but very person of interest. Right. And there's times you feel that way in the, in the real world with the government. So, you know, it was very interesting to, to the, the, this is not freedom. This is fear. That line, you know, you think of that now. That's and one of my a lot favorite of situations. lines in that movie. It's one of my absolute all-time favorite lines in any Marvel movie. Like, this isn't freedom, this is fear. And it's funny because when we walked out of that movie, <clears throat> Winter Soldier, I said, 
there is so much in here that relates to our society. Like people aren't going to pick up on it and, and a lot, and it's going to go over a lot of people's heads. <clears throat> but this movie is, is just, it, it's, it's, it's a perfect sort of commentary on today's society. And I loved it for that reason. That's why winter soldier is, is truly one of my favorite Marvel films. I, th- I just think they did a phenomenal job with it. I think they they took politics, they tied it into the Marvel universe, and at the same time, they found a way to do it <clears throat> in a way that wasn't shoving it down your throat, but at the same time was hitting on all of the important sort of political overtones that that and- Marvel wants people to feel. And also the the more important characteristics for Captain America. Like when you see him, um, he kind of has that Boy Scout. You know, I'm I'm thinking of old comics. And getting him to the 21st century and into, you know, 2000, what what year did that come out? 2013 or so, 14, 15? Yeah, I think it was 14. Yeah, they're in that range. But you update how his moral beliefs would still be straight and narrow. And how it would be in this climate in this in this world in this culture and i think they nailed it with a lot of it and i think of the his his speech to the shield when they're pretty much splitting between hydra and shield at the very end is so underrated and so overlooked for whatever reason uh but it's so good and it, it really lays out who captain america is at that point in in this new world and uh and and from there, I think it sets who he is. And I think that obviously that movie being so good propelled Captain America to a lot of people's favorites, especially when we're thinking of just MCU and Marvel uh, movies. Yeah. Uh, but it's, it's but funny it, how people it's, it, it was really amusing to me because I loved the first Avenger. I absolutely thought it was phenomenal, but I know a lot of people who list that one as one of their most boring and 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 worse Marvel films that they've seen. And I understand why. I do. <clears throat> I totally do. It's very it's very cheesy. It's very it's uh, cookie cutter for, it is. for what you would expect. But you know, yeah. I love time pieces for or time period uh comic book movies and I think if we ever get another Fantastic Four it should be in the sixties or seventies. I think down the line when Spider Man gets rebooted, they should probably put it in the sixties, seventies, maybe eighties. Because 80s were so fun, for, the 80s and 90s were so fun for Spider-Man. But I think comic book movies sometimes, some of the, and especially these characters, some of them, the time they were created, where it can be, you know, you can experience them fully. It needs to be done, and I, so I loved how they did it with Captain America. Even though that is kind of the story in the comics too, he'll be frozen or whatever the case, and end up in the in, in normal time. Because um, they they retired his book after the war and stuff, you know, and I'm talking real life, but. And so it worked. I love time period pieces for movies, especially comic books, and I wish we got more of those. Yeah, I feel the exact same way, and that's why I kind of feel like Thor Ragnarok isn't necessarily going to be a time period piece, but it's going to hit on all those same notes. It's going to hit on everything that you want. It's going to take you back in time, even if it's meant to be in the present, because things are going to be very old. The King's English, you know what I mean? Like, and, 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 and when, when they're not 
on on uh, uh, Asgard and, and speaking the king's English. They're they're going to be in another world uh, fighting one another, and it's just it's going to be very UFC. <laughs> and the, the lights and the colors and the sounds and the music feel very 80s. You know, like we said, the 80s arcade feel is kind of how I feel with that. So, yeah, like that you're going to get that. And that's where I think Guardians of the Galaxy succeeded also, especially in the first one, because of the music and, and you know, when he got the, the, the awesome mix by him one. It just – something about the nostalgia and, and music can do that so well, but so does colors, so do costume designs and things like that. And I think Thor is probably going to nail it in, in that regard. And a lot of people said, oh, it looks a lot like Guardians of the Galaxy. And I said, good, it should. It, it it should yeah. feel like that. They're not that far apart, and, and you nope. see in Infinity War, they meet, and that's the first scene you get in that in that teaser trailer. If you had a chance to see it, he yeah. crashes in the Milano, and they're and they start from there, and that's a natural meeting. Yeah, like he crash lands just basically like like a like a comet just landing on Earth. I, presumably he got his his stuff messed up. But uh yeah, he's dragged in to see Mantis. And um it it it, it you're right. These movies are not that far apart. In, in the comics they're not that far apart. These are these are cosmic worlds. These are cosmic beings and the cosmic I I was watching Guardians of the Galaxy on my Cody um, because I I don't want to buy it digitally just to buy it when and get a digital copy again. Um, but I I was watching it and I was looking at at all all the all the new music, awesome mix too. Uh, but also when they when they brought in the old Guardians, you know, like it just. It had that feel like Guardians could at any point go back in time, go forward in time. It could do whatever it wanted to do, and it would be good. Like, James Gunn has a handle on this franchise. Like, let him do whatever he's... Like, getting Joss Whedon out has only made Marvel better. Like, letting the Russos, letting James Gunn... These types of people, letting them do what they do. And I agree completely with you, and it's funny you bring up Joss Whedon, because I do. I hope he can save uh, Justice League. I hope it's not too late, because it, from all the trailers and things we got from that, and I think we did get another Justice League trailer, I'm feeling very underwhelmed. And, it, you know, Zack Snyder, his, his dark gloomy feeling on everything, the mistimed jokes and placement of them. He's just not good at... He's not not good for what this is, for what I think people want right now in their comic book movies. And it's nice that that DC wants to go darker, but they go so much in the wrong direction. People say, well, Marvel movies are jokey. You know, I make jokes when I mess things up in real life. I I make jokes, uh, you know, when I'm arguing with somebody else. That's more realistic to me than someone who's sitting there dark and brooding and I'm supposed to take him seriously. So I think DC has missed the mark continuously and maybe Joss Whedon, and it's smart on their end to try and absorb whatever he can offer and maybe he can help them fix and and still take it forward. Uh, But real quick, one last thing on them. Uh, And then we can find out we're getting Flashpoint right away for the first Flash movie. And I'm sitting here like... 
stupid. I know. I'm oh, like, what? Oh, <laughs> I know. Oh. I feel the same way. Uh, don't. What are you doing? Rebooting the universe already, or what? It's just extremely, to, extremely you have silly. You have the Flash like set up before you can do Flash. Like it just it. it when they announced that, I was like, really? This is. This is sort of like the X-Men coming in at the age of apocalypse and then suddenly, like, just changing things and expecting people to know what's going on. Like, I don't know. It just, I feel like every every announcement from DC with the, I, I am slightly optimistic about Aquaman, and I think he's one of the more underrated heroes much like namor like people trash talk these characters but they would f your shit up like just plain and simple like they would these are powerful powerful characters and and if aquaman is done right that could be one of the more amazing movies especially because you're talking about settings right like setting these these uh uh uh, books or whatever you call them, these storylines in Atlantis or in the these these underwater worlds, that's going to be visually impressive. If you can capitalize off of that and and use that to sort of piggyback off of the the success that Wonder Woman had, I, I feel like DC can can. They're putting out good movies and then announcing that they're going to make a crappy one. And I don't get it. And you say if they can capture it visually. I almost have no faith that they can because everything looks green screen and CGI and dark and fast-paced and blurry. I just, right now, I couldn't be any lower on those expectations, even though Wonder Woman was good. And I'd like... Affleck as Batman. I like Cavill as 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 Superman. I think they've casted mostly correctly. Uh, they get a lot of big names for supporting the roles. I love The Rock as Black Adam. Oh yeah, when we eventually get to that, and whenever that is, that should be very fun and cool and awesome. And I just hope they can keep it together. I a little bit of patience from them would have went a long way. I believe. I think they wanted to catch up to Marvel as fast as possible. Rival Marvel with. Civil War and Batman versus Superman around the same time. Um, I just think had they have slowly done it, Marvel could be losing a lot of its main notable names and and high-profile characters in the next four or five years uh, just through retirement and, you know, carrying on with their universe where I think DC would be hitting their stride and that would be their opportunity. But they didn't do that. Uh, There's still time, but they've started off on the wrong foot and I couldn't be any less excited for them. Whereas I look at that same token, utilizing that same perspective and applying it to Marvel, and if you look at, okay, picture Marvel as an NFL team. Not only do they have quality starters, but I look at their characters in development that are going to take over as soon as some of these other characters move on. Like, Sebastian Stan is signed to a nine-movie yep. deal. Like he, So, so he, is um, Falcon. Yeah, yeah, yep. and 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 you've got Benedict Cumberbatch. Like now they don't announce how Spider-Man. many films. 
Yeah, but now they've stopped announcing how many uh, how many movies these guys are signed to because people were figuring out way too much stuff based off that information. But you've got you've got Cumberbatch, you've got Tom Holland, you've got you, you've just got a number of characters that are set up to to sort of be that future of Marvel. And I don't think that when they lose Robert Downey Jr. or they lose Chris Hemsworth, like, they still got Paul Rudd. Like, he's just getting going. Evangeline Lilly is just getting going, you know? These are these are characters that are just getting I'm excited for that, by the way, because they announced, uh, was it Michelle Pfeiffer is going to play the original Wasp? Yeah, Janet Van Dyne. I'm kind of yeah. excited for that. I... I, I I I loved the casting of Michael Douglas as yep. as uh as Hank Pym. Uh, Hank Pym. I'm I'm genuinely excited for Ant-Man and Wasp. That's another one of those movies like when when people ask me for for my favorite Marvel movies, Ant-Man always makes the cut for me because I love how I love how against the grain it is. Like, okay, you look at Michael Pena and and his character, and then they take stereotypes and they put them in, but then they crap on them. You know what right. I'm saying? Like, he's the, he 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 typically got his information from a gangster's friend, but he did it while he was at a wine tasting, and there was a rosé that like just. Stuff that you don't expect out of his mouth. Like, I'm more of an expressionist. Like, I loved it. I, it just, it cracked me up. I thought Michael Pena was one of the best parts of Ant-Man. Every time I watch it, it gets a little funnier. Like, it's yeah. one of those, it's like a sitcom where you get to realize the characters' flaws and, and quirks and how they see things. The, <laughs> that sitcom gets funnier every time. So, like, if you go back and watch Seinfeld or whatever, whatever you like, and you'll be like, it's still funny because you know the characters and you know the situations are, are now funny because of it. Every time I go back and watch Ant-Man, I go, this movie is funny. God damn, I'm sitting here laughing at jokes I didn't laugh at last time, but now as it compiles, I start to learn the characters and how they would react, and it's the subtleties that are funny. Yeah, and Ant-Man just works so well. He, Paul Rudd, Michael Pena, Evangeline Lilly, like all of those characters play off one another in in just such a fascinating fashion. And walking out of that movie, like when they announced that Paul Rudd was playing Ant-Man, I knew it was going to be a good film. I was like, oh, that is so perfect. If they're going with Scott Lang and not Hank Pym, he is absolutely perfect. And I love the way they told his story. <clears throat> I love the way they incorporated Cassie and sort of made it about her. Um, and I love the way they made Hank Pym. And they, even though he's older, and I really wanted to see a more comic Hank Pym. You know, I want to see the full arc of him being kind of uh, he's kind of an asshole. And he kind of, you know, he kind of fucks things up a lot. Um, he beat his wife. Right. That's what I'm. I'm getting or beating around the bush here uh he's kind of a dick and we aren't going to actually probably get all of that but yet we kept getting flashbacks and seeing some cool old scenes and seeing them um uh, you know fighting in in and looked like world war Two. i would i would imagine maybe um maybe not that far back i can they're fighting wars though it definitely gets tanks um 
But then thinking how, as they announced Captain Marvel, we're talking about that at San Diego Comic-Con, they said it's going to be a 90s movie. Again, we're going back to, to time period movies. Um, I want to see some Ant-Man in that. That would be awesome. But it looks like we're getting a scroll invasion movie for that. Again, we're back to San Diego Comic-Con. This is all third and fourth down, pretty me- pretty much meshed into one conversation here. Um, but that that sounds awesome and sounds great. Uh, so, again, yeah, I, that's I think another Marvel person, nailed that. Brie Larson, you know, they've absolutely picked a winner. And and I do believe that 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 Captain Marvel, you know, she is one of the most badass characters in the Marvel universe. Like, there's a reason I picked her to go on my sleeve. Like, Carol Danvers. I, I still Carol Danvers is awesome, but I think Miss Marvel and her length and her, and her impact, and it's I know it's the same person really, but Miss Marvel to me is. Miss Marvel, Captain Marvel, you know, and I hope we get some semblance of that before we get full-fledged Captain Marvel at the end. And I understand why they're going with that. All their newer stuff of Captain Marvel, I know how different she looks and represents, you know, how how strong female can be in this age. But for me, Miss Marvel still, if I were to get uh, uh, Carol Danvers on my arm and tattoos, it would be Miss Marvel. Yeah, she's absolutely fantastic, and and I love the new Miss Marvel, Kamala Khan. She oh yeah, and they nailed that. They did. Oh my God, G Willow Wilson, and 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 then I I cannot express enough how good the new Miss Marvel is. Like, and I love that I I I get to learn about Muslim culture through Miss Marvel. It helps me learn and 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 it's just it's a fun ride because there are so many different things that she's in and now they announced at comic-con on uh on their panel that uh one of the villains was that what uh gosh when she went to pakistan i forget who the hero was over there like the red something but uh, he's going to be coming to New Jersey and, and being a hero opposite her. So that should be a fun little arc in that comic. Um, I'm just, I I love, I, I sincerely hope that Marvel finds a way to bring Kamala Khan into, in, into something. Whether, well, I think we should get new Avengers at some point. And, and having um, Spider-Man, I think, could lead you to that point. Yeah, but I'm curious though because they totally set the table for Miles Morales in in yeah. Spider-Man. So I'm curious if you're going to But they see... also gave they also gave Tom Holland Spider-Man a lot of Miles influence in this in Homecoming. So for me Yeah, you know, he could he could just do that. Yeah, they did on a lot of things. So I I think they could just end up kind of replacing and I think a lot of people will probably be mad with that. I want to see Miles eventually. Um, but I do think, you know, they could try and get it, get, you know, Peter Parker, this Peter Parker, MCU current Peter Parker, to replace him as a new Avenger. Uh, yeah, I love Miles Morales, and I don't really care if people would be upset if, if Miles Morales replaced Peter Parker eventually. Those people can kiss my ass. No, I mean that way. I mean Peter replacing Miles in a lot of ways, I think, upsets people. Oh, and, uh, oh yeah. Yeah, that 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 kind of bothered me because they hijacked a lot of Miles' story, and I'm like, okay, I get why you did, 
But this is, I don't know. It just, it just felt to me like, okay, Marvel, you've done so well. Like we talk about how, uh, how much of, 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 of black excellence they incorporated into Black Panther how much uh, of a female influence uh, Miss Marvel is going to have. Um, and and then you get to that one, and it's just, what? <laughs> like, yeah. why, why, did you, why did you misappropriate, like, Miles' story? <laughs> like, you, you pretty much got it right with everybody else when it came to, to you know, a, not offending with the exception of iron fist, but this was the one where I was like, eh, that bothers me. But yeah. And especially know. right now, because I think the Spider-Man universe comic books right now are having a great run, a fantastic, very high ben run is, with them. Yeah. With everything from miles to spider Gwen to silk to uh venom verse right now, that's going on with Marvel. Yeah. They're hitting a home run with that. I think the, the Spider-Man Renew Your Vows and, and everything they're doing with Amazing Spider-Man right now, they're hitting it out of the park. So they have a lot of material to work with for them to appropriate a lot of Miles' character and situation and and, and side characters too. It, will, it was odd. So it'll be interesting to see if they ever get to Miles, and I hope they do. I hope someone does. I know Sony's got an animated movie coming out, though, an animated Spider-Man movie, and Miles is the lead. So that should be interesting at the very least. Yeah, I love those animated movies. I, I got kind of bummed out that Marvel stopped doing those movies with Lionsgate because they were a, a ton of fun, even if some of them were odd. Like, Well, this Hulk. is supposed to be a high production, too. They got a lot of people that were doing, like, Lego Movie and things like that, uh, writing and directing. And, and nice. So it's going to be in theaters. So it, it's... I'm hopeful for it. I think we're still a couple years away from it, but that's Miles is the lead in that one. Yeah, I, 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 I don't know that that uh, the MCU will ever get to Miles Morales. I genuinely hope that they do. Um, it, but they don't acknowledge that he is alive in their universe because they they showed his uncle in in Homecoming, the Prowler. Uh, and he said he's got a he's got a nephew in the area, so they they have acknowledged that he is out there. Yeah, they there there are Easter eggs out there that set up Miles Morales, and then you also saw, um, I think there there was a suit that that had the more Miles look to it, I believe. Um, but. Uh, Oh yeah, there was the con- the concept art. The guy who did the concept art for uh, Homecoming had a Miles, kind of a Miles and a Superior Spider-Man mixed to it, but it definitely looked like it. Yeah, and Superior Spider-Man's another one that was exactly it, right. It, Very it, recently, yep. Completely awesome. It was a great run. Doc Ock is Doc Ock is just so wonderful, and he's such a dick as Spider-Man that it's amazing. It's just. I Spider-Man, like you said in the comics, is really hitting it on all fronts. Like right now, I think my I I I bought the uh, Spider-Man two with Brian Michael Bendis mm-hmm. writing it. Um, I think I think my favorite books right now are Miss Marvel. Um, I think 
probably Gwen Pool. <laughs> really? She's, yeah, I like Gwen Pool. I, I haven't fun. I haven't read it. I mean, I think she looks she looks fun, and I've seen some some uh, you know clips and 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 panels, but uh, you know, I haven't I haven't read any of it. But it looks like she's she's fun. Yeah, she's uh the 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 moral of it is that she has no powers whatsoever. Um, oh really? <laughs> yeah, no, no, she's she, she's not at all. There there is no Deadpool substance to her. Like her name is Gwen Poole, T O O L E, but they just call her Gwen Poole. But what she does is. She breaks the fourth wall in a way that almost puts Deadpool to shame because she is not part of, like, the comic universe. Like, she she is part of our world, and, and she pulls out gadgets and trinkets because she's not – she's like, this this is a com- – like, she's able to say that that's a comic, if that makes sense. Like, like, she's almost dreaming, and she can do whatever she wants in that dream. Yeah, yeah, very much so, except it's she is in the Marvel Universe and is a human. So it's pretty interesting. Um, I enjoy it. I also am really, really, really digging on the Thanos series that they have going on. That's probably – if you haven't – if you like Thanos or enjoy him as a villain, that series right there is probably one of the best out. Like I, I cannot encourage you. And it's also not. Is it so the same one that started maybe a year or two ago? No, no. This is maybe a year ago, but it's it's got a. It doesn't have so many books in it um, that you couldn't catch up if that makes sense. Like, let me go to Thanos and see how many. Right, like current Spider-Man's having three books a month right now, so, I mean, it's not bad. (laughs) Yeah, no, Thanos is only at, like, I don't know, 12-some-odd books, and and it, it, it is some phenomenal stuff. Basically, Thane comes into a, uh, a power that makes Thanos not effective at all. Like, I won't I won't spoil it for you, but yeah, Thane comes into some pretty impressive power. Um and and it sort of goes from there. And then uh yeah, I would I would suggest reading that and the new Iron Fist. That's how oh, really? Yeah, the new Iron Fist, did you like the uh, the Matt Fraction Ed Brubaker run Immortal Iron Fist. Uh, I'd never finished all of it. I read a few of them, just thumbing through and, and, and you know mostly looking for something new to grab. And I, so I never really got the whole gist of that. Uh, ah, I if you ever get the chance to go back and read that, like especially the the seven capital cities of heaven. Okay. Like that is truly like that's the definitive Iron Fist work. Like it's the best Iron Fist I've read. But the new Iron Fist that's out draws off of that world a lot okay. and I absolutely love it. Um so it's and and they've released another one on uh Comixology that's exclusive to Comixology that introduces an Asian Iron Fist. 
Um, and it's called the Immortal Iron Fists. And I guess her name is Pei. And Danny becomes the, the Thunderer and is essentially teaching her. Hmm. So I'm I'm kind of excited. I want to pick that one up, but it's it's got to finish its run on Comicsology before I'll have the chance to pick it up, which pisses me off because I already have the Marvel Unlimited and and then the the Marvel Digital, and you can't combine those, which frustrates me. They're two different deals, and I. Hmm. I don't want a third one with Comixology, so I'm going to wait until I can buy it on on Marvel. But uh, I, I I've heard that Immortal Iron Fists is really good as well. So those are probably some of my favorite books that are out right now. But I think out of all of them, the new Miss Marvel is is tops for me. Well, that's good. That's a uh, that's that's high praise. I, I'm digging into the Venom verse right now. I'm obviously a big Venom fan, but uh, everything that's it, they're just really starting to to clear up on where they're going. They're fighting some aliens that are basically coming called Poisoned, and you know, I got Venom, and everyone's pretty much getting a Venom symbiote to uh, to to help fight. So you know, you get Captain America and the Wolverine X23 Wolverine and. Everyone's getting their symbiote, and they're gonna go defend the world. So it's it's pretty. It, it, they haven't how, gotten that far yet, but it's pretty cool so far. How uh, how many books? Because I know there was the Edge of the Venom Verse, and then there was the Venom Verse. So how 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 big is the whole series so far? I don't know if they said how how long it's it's going to go. Um, it's the the pace is starting to pick up, so I'm assuming. I thought I wanted to read it. Was they they were saying eight books maybe totals that this is going to end up being. So um, I don't think it's going to be that long or crazy. But they've already started to say, you know, they'll they, we'll see spinoffs almost with every character. We're going to see how you know we'll get more backstory. How they normally do with big events. You know, you'll get their book and uh, you know make it like you know what Captain America did for three books while wearing the Venom symbiote and things like that. So. Uh, there'll be there'll be much more to it, I, I imagine, but I don't think they gave a total on how long it's going to go. That's that's kind of what I'm looking at because I'm I'm doing Secret Empire right now, and I'm flipping 32 books in, and I'm only on Secret Empire four in the main series because I'm doing hmm. the I'm doing the reading order, so I read yeah. everything in order. Um, it's a really, really good series, actually. I was kind of surprised by it. Um, I know a lot of people had issues with it because Captain America leading Hydra, like, is going to piss a lot of people off. But I think as a concept, like, this is awesome. They're They're using the Cosmic Cube to sort of rewrite history and... In that sense, like they're not really violating anything. This is a, this is a giant ass what if, and it's kind of awesome, you know. The what ifs were always awesome to me. I, I uh, they were always real cool. I like especially for for covers. I thought they always did great job with the the concept and the covers. One of my favorites is what if the the symbiote, the Venom symbiote, again uh, bonded with the Punisher. And I'm like, yeah. Because that'd be fucking perfect, actually. That'd be great. Give the Punisher some powers, and they can just go nuts and be vigilantes and, you know, take out the, their punishment on whoever they, they, they deem is unworthy or, or worthy of it. So things like that. And then uh, 
Uh, I've got one. I'm as I'm looking at my wall. Uh, what if Spider Man had, the, had married the, the black series? cat? What was that series called with uh, Spider? Uh, the one you were just talking about? Where the Venom's Venom's on the Punisher? Yeah, I need. To I read just that. It, it was just a what. It was a what if. I think it was just a one off. It was a what if uh, the Venom was uh, you know symbiote attached to I'll, or bonded I'll, I'll, with I'll, Punisher. I'll, I'll Google it and find out the name of it yeah. when we get off the podcast. But as a Punisher fan, that sounds so damn perfect. It right. And with a lot of these, because a lot of the one it what is or they don't last very long, so that you kind of let your imagination go with the rest of it. Like, oh yeah, he could have done this, or he could have took it on this guy, or they would have done this. So in my mind, I may have made it better than I remembered it being. But um, no, no. But the concept no. is cool. I'm I'm sure it is every bit as awesome. Like Space Punisher was was pretty fun. Like. Punisher in general is is my guy. I don't know how I became a Punisher guy. I'm just a Punisher guy. Like I I could read Punisher from now until the cows come home. Like I think Frank Castle is is one of you, you know when when they when they put out the uh cuz now now that Defenders is 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 basically here the next step is to promote Punisher. Well, and, and they showed that Punisher is going to be in the Defenders. They, apparently, the first team up for them is going to break out Punisher from, I think, the hands got him or some some organization. That's awesome. So but he's in it. They also said that in the Punisher movie, like, he's the protagonist, but he's no hero. And I'm like, Right. They said yeah. you'll hate him. Like, it'll be hard to root for him. And I'm like, yeah, that's the Punisher. Like, that is him. Like, he does truly messed up shit. Like, when in Welcome Back, Frank, like, I think my favorite part of it was there were two things in there that I loved about Welcome Back, Frank. First was Garth Ennis writing basically this, this dissertation about in the defense of the Punisher. And Garth Ennis basically said that there is no defending the Punisher. It is it is impossible to defend anything that man does. He is a murderous, just vigilante who ha- cannot stop killing. Like that, you can you can enjoy him at at whatever level you want, but the dude is no hero. And so I read that, and I'm like, that's awesome. And then they're saying you're going to hate him. That just means I'm going to love him even more. Like, John right. Bernthal just knocked it out of the park in oh, Daredevil. Yeah. Like, I haven't – I don't watch uh, the, the the Netflix series over. I do watch the movies and stuff, but I don't watch the Netflix series over just because they're so damn long, and I don't feel like it. But I did watch the second uh, uh, season of Daredevil again, especially episode up. two or three when they're on the roof, and it's basically uh, ripped out. Of, it's ripped out of the comic. Yeah, the comic book. Yep, where yeah, it is. Ties the gun to Daredevil's hand, and he's like, "What? You thought I'd give you a gun with a firing right. pin?" And he yeah. gives him the the one bad day speech is all it takes. You know, not 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 the Joker speech, but the the Punisher version of it. And you know, it it, it works because he's right. Yeah, it, it absolutely was phenomenal. And then the scene where uh, he has 
the Punisher go and kill um, what's his bucket, uh, Duncan or Duff or whatever yeah, his yep. name is, um, and and then he locks him in there with all those guys, and Frank Castle just goes to town and yep. just beats the ever-loving shit out of everyone and murders them all. Like, I could watch that scene over and over and over and over again. Like, that is just one of the the best shot scenes in the entire Netflix Marvel Cinematic, you know, universe that they have going on there. Um, Let's close this out briefly by talking about the Defenders. It's here... We we get it in uh, in three days on the 18th, right? Yep, yep. So I, technically, we'll get it Thursday night at uh, at midnight. Okay. I asked the how excited are you? Uh, you know what? Right now, I, I'm not like I, I I thought at first I'd be at ten. Um, Iron Fist killed it a little bit for me, only because. Right. He's not fully Iron Fist yet. And it, the series wasn't that great. I didn't hate it at the same time because I thought the side characters were very interesting. Uh, you know, the brother and sister and the business and, and a lot of the hand being in it and uh, Colleen Wing. And I thought that for the most part, the, the sporting characters were great. I just think we didn't get a good Iron Fist story and we didn't get a full-powered Iron Fist. And now here we are for the Defenders. Um he could honestly, and they're four, the four of them are super strong together. I mean, but he may be their most dynamic fighter and, and most powerful at the end of the day, and I don't think we're getting that, or at least we probably shouldn't based on what we've seen so far. So um, I'm excited to see Daredevil again because I think that is the best series and maybe the best Marvel production we've gotten since the MCU started. So uh, I, I completely love Daredevil. I really enjoyed Jessica Jones. Um, I enjoyed most of Luke Cage. Didn't enjoy Iron Fist as much, but I think together as a team, you may hide some of the flaws of those characters. Uh, Iron that, Fist you know, also had a shorter production window. They only gave them three months to learn everything, and I think that didn't do the series any favors. Uh, the fighting sucked. I mean, it should have been the well, best fighting. Well, the the fight against Zhao Chang was absolutely one of the best fight scenes that Marvel has has. That's shot. fine. Yes, and but you know, everything and, else. And a lot of a lot of Colleen Wing's fights were were really good, and a lot of the side characters' fights were really good. I love the, I love the Ringmaster. I absolutely yeah. love the Ringmaster. They nailed him, including his ridiculous outfit. But what I think of for Iron Fist, you know, when he gets when he's full powered and he's full Iron Fist. He's the Kung Fu master. He should. He will be more than what they've shown us. And he will be such a more dynamic fighter, and you won't be able to touch him, and it will be awesome. But I wish we would have gotten it, or at least a glimpse of it in the first season. I The thing that I hate about Iron Fist is in all of the comics that I've read, he is never that stupid. Right, that, that too. That, that frustrates the hell out of me. That, Completely that, gullible. Yeah, it's it's... It's just ridiculous, you know? And 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 I don't understand why they had to make him that stupid. So, it, it I don't know. It she's one of those ones I agree with you. Iron Fist killed a little of the excitement that I had for for the defenders, but hearing that the Punisher is in it added some excitement back. 
Right, Sigourney um, Weaver as the villain. You get a great actor actress, so you know it should be. I hope we see Kingpin a little bit. I can't get enough I, of, of I Kingpin. Really want more Madam Gal. Yep, and I'm sure we'll get that. I'm. I can't believe we will get this point and not get her more. Yeah, Madam Gal is one of my favorite from from the and they do her so. Oh, magically in the Immortal Iron Fist. Like, I'm telling you, get Marvel Unlimited and read the Immortal Iron Fist. Like, I, I know that. I know you just closed on a house, but it's the best $99 you're ever going to spend in your life. Like, they, they, they should just hire me to be a salesman for Marvel Unlimited because I cannot – let it go. It, it, it's it's almost like if uh, NFL Sunday ticket were $99. Like, that's kind of how I feel about it. And you know what? The I pay for the NFL Game Pass, and that's $99. And it's a piece of crap. But I, I, I need it for to, to try and make $200. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's such a, yeah. <laughs> such a balance there. That, uh, what do you do? So, But with yeah. that, I think we should probably end it. We've We've – Gone uh hour and a half, but this is a good podcast and a good way for us to get rejuvenated and get back into it and try and get on a uh, a cleaner schedule so we can have this more frequently. Yeah, do it more regularly and and I do agree with you. This is a perfect ending point. Like I said, uh getting getting to uh talk about the lack of excitement that I have for defenders even though I'm well, watching then, the hell out of it. And maybe that'll be our next podcast is after the series we can talk about it cuz I'm sure I'll probably binge it in that first weekend and probably you maybe too? first week. Yeah, I plan on it. So, uh, you know, if we can hammer that out and then that'll be our next one. Yeah, I I plan to knock it out that weekend. The wife actually took the the day off of work. But then her coworkers, husbands, well, who is also our friend and, and used to work with my wife, his mom died. So nah. we have to play that one by ear. But uh, yeah, no, it's uh, we're I'm gonna watch the hell out of that series. So I I think that should definitely be our next podcast. We'll also have more NFL football to look. Oh, at. Oh, definitely by then. We'll be start of the season by that point. Yep, and and we'll have already had some college games that we can talk about. So, um, I I I am pleased as are you with the uh, crop of the uh, podcast. I realize it's a little long. I hope y'all hung in there with us. Joe and I will be back. We don't know when. We will figure it out. We are trying to land on a more routine schedule so that you guys aren't getting an episode once a month, but, but we're, you know, he had to buy, he bought a house, he had to move in, had to build stuff. I mean, there, these things take time. So I apologize about that, but we are working on it. So hang in there with us and we will be back next time here on third nerd with Joe Goodberry and Josh Webb. Thanks for listening, everybody.